Good morning, this is Gillian Frank. I'm a historian of religion and sexuality, and I am writing a book called A Sacred Choice, which explores the history of clergy who helped women get abortions before Roe v. Wade. And I'm Jennifer Holland. I'm a professor of history at the University of Oklahoma, and I wrote a book about the history of the anti-abortion movement called Tiny You, A Western History of the Anti-Abortion Movement. So today for this conversation, uh, Professor Holland and I are going to talk about histories of abortion activism and the anti-abortion movement that give us hope in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned. So uh, Professor Holland's going to start about that, and then I'm going to jump in. Well, it, hope isn't the dominant feeling we're having now, but we I have to uh, try to find some hope somewhere. Um, I wrote a book about how the movement, the anti-abortion movement, built power, but it was not ever, and I think is not still, um, all-powerful, that there were differences between activists, that you have activists who, especially beginning in the 80s, really convinced themselves that um, they sincerely are going to help women, that they are that they are going to um, keep women from being harmed by abortion. They think of themselves as a women's rights act, uh, movement. And there are others who use that line very cynically, um, much more cynically, to the same end for a long time. But I think that those kinds of divisions now, um, when activists have the, the power to execute their vision, um, might matter more. And, and it might, it might see, sort of cut into the kinds of power they've built um, over the last 50 years. I, I totally hear that. When I think about the history of abortion regulation in the past and the ways in which folks circumvented it, I I think we can draw a lot of inspiration. We see a lot of grassroots organizing to help move people across state or national borders in the past. We see the ways in which folks formed broad-based alliances across professions, across classes, certainly across gender and race to organize for abortion reform and abortion repeal. And so we have a long legacy of folks who elaborated ways of thinking about medical care and providing medical care um, despite criminalization. And so I think that if we look to the ways in which uh, activists in the past, abortion rights activists in the past, offered health care, we know that hundreds of thousands of people were able to access it. But, and this is where I want to shift gears, where we saw in the past, we didn't have this level of politicization of abortion. And even back then, many were still left behind. And so I wonder, Jen, if you'll think with me sort of like, what has changed now? Um, what is different now between um, abortion regulations as they were in the past? Well, I think that the, the movement has spent 50 years talking about how um, abortions murder. And I think that in the past when abortion was illegal, uh, the number one type of person convicted was abortion providers. And to be honest, you can still see how those people are enemy number one. Um, but, but before, you know, women were punished in a whole host of ways and many died, but they weren't, they didn't often go to prison. Um, and I just think in this new world, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, that you already see it slipping out of some of these state laws, um, 
some say women won't be prosecuted, abortion seekers won't be prosecuted, but not all. Um, and then I think it's going to be increasingly hard, actually, to, to remove them from this process of um, prosecution that states are going to embark on. Absolutely. And so just to uh, clarify a little bit and add on, um, what we saw in the past was the people who were targeted were primarily um, abortion providers and abortion refers, people who shared information about abortion or who provided it. But that didn't mean there wasn't tremendous state power exercised against abortion seekers. Women would have their names published in newspapers. They would be interrogated by police. They would be denied medical care until they complied. The sheer level, they would be brought to court to testify. Their private lives would be made public. And that level of scrutiny and criminalization, I can only see increasing in the coming months and years. Um, as we see a political movement uh, and a political party, the Conservatives and the Republican Party, which have made abortion and opposing it their centerpiece and decrying people who are involved in it as the worst of the worst. So I, I think you're right. Um, we are going to see, I think, unprecedented levels of surveillance and criminalization. Yeah. You know, the only hope I have actually in that, it, the problem is surveillance is also cheap now because <laughs> the hope I would have is that um, some states don't want to pay for it. Um, even if they have the will to do it, that they, you know, they simply won't have them want to spend the money on it. But I think that's a very weak little thread I am holding on to. Um, so in our final five seconds, I will simply say that there are more states than ever in the past who support abortion. <laughs>